0: Doug Brown here with Method Airwaves, episode 18, titled, My Music. Today I have a guitar with me, got a piano behind me, got some stage lights, and I'm just chilling, and I'll be talking about uh, my music. I figure, why not? Music is a huge, huge, huge part of my life. My mother was an accomplished pianist, my father was a connoisseur of classical music and opera, and then there was me. Uh, I'm a result of their upbringing, and what my brother and I, we had heard in the home, which was everything from Willie Nelson to ABBA to, of course, classical, uh, show tunes and Witten Marsalis. Herbie Hancock I mean you name it it bled through our pores there was always music playing in our home thank goodness and uh, we had a grand piano in our living room very fortunate to have that around because when I was a little guy I would uh, jump on that piano and just tinker it was a toy to me you know today Kids have their devices and little buttons they can press, but uh, we didn't have that for me. It was a toy. I'd go on it, experiment, play, and uh, pretty much was self-taught on the piano. And my mom was playing the piano all the time, so that helped a great deal. And I'd later go on to uh, play guitar, and uh, I went pretty far with that. I had a, in my youth. I had a bunch of Casio keyboards. The early '80s synthesizers I was in a groups like jeez U2 Duran Duran I mean uh, synth pop of course was big but the hair bands I got into as well Guns N Roses ACDC Metallica and the list goes on and on so all these influences uh, got into my system and I uh, I started to write songs really really early on Thank goodness, and uh, I'm still playing all the time. I still write and record once in a while. And I've got a wealth of uh, material. I've recorded approximately 20 albums. I know that sounds insane, but the years have gone by. And I mean, I started when I was probably, I would say seven or eight, when I first got into doing my own uh, recordings and composing. Now, this was a time where we didn't have a lot of resources, especially as a little kid. All I had was a tape recorder, this square thing that uh, people from my generation are well aware of cassette tapes, and uh, just this square unit that you could just record. And uh, I would multi track by taking more than one tape recorder. So I'd record one track, I got my guitar here, so I'd go. And I'd record the song, and then with that recording I'd press play, take another tape recorder, and then I'd record the next part. So you'd hear the <laughs> and then maybe the drums I would add, or a keyboard. My drums were cardboard boxes and cymbals and tambourines. It wasn't too elaborate. But I was multi-tracking. I mean, the quality was pretty bad. I'll play some samples here of my really, really early recordings. and. Uh, you know, I've written so many songs, I, I can't help it. It just kind of comes out of me. And uh, sometimes I feel like uh, it's a part of my life I shouldn't hide so much. I mean, my early 20s, before the whole skateboard thing happened with that becoming a career, I was pursuing music. I had a lot of uh, recordings I did and I would play out at events and I would just write and record. and. uh I might play a song just to get this started for you. This is a song I wrote in the summer of 1990. I was only 16 years old. I had just opened my uh, skate shop, my first job, which was a cool endeavor. But uh, sadly my mother had passed away on the opening day of my skate shop, which was April 9th, 1990 so it was that time period where whoa you know i went to the skate shop that day come back home i see my brother he was shooting hoops in front of the house and i looked at him he wasn't mad he wasn't sad but i could tell in his face that sure enough there was an emptiness my mother had passed away and that was a tough period of my life but thank goodness i had my music to turn to and uh, during that time period uh, having the skate shop which I called the skate shack a legitimate operation had my vendors license the whole nine uh, one time what a kid had a uh, a guitar that he wanted to trade a skateboard deck for it was a Sears electric kind of generic guitar but I still have it it's across the room from me and I did a trade for that item so I had a guitar at the skate shop so I was tinkering and uh, writing and i came up with this song called answers to everything so it was the summer of 1990 shortly after my mother had passed away and to get the ball rolling to start singing for you and playing some instruments i'm gonna go ahead and do this song this is called answers to everything two three four
1: Wish you never awoke And you paint yourself a picture It's only you And you even go so far to say Blame things that you've never seen But you still hear answers Isn't it true? Why aren't there answers To everything Why aren't there answers To everything answers to everything have you ever run so fast to see something in the light change to dark and secrets can't live it's only you I've crossed that line all the time up what's in the past, but questions still remain, isn't it true? My author answers everything My all answers everything My all answers everything With the spark keeping days together through I take the time to do the best and try to keep the problems all at red. <laughs> this is for you. This is for you. This is for you Have you ever woke up from a dream? Staring at the dark, wish you never awoke. And you paint yourself a picture. It's only you. And you even go so far to say Blame things that you've never seen But you still hear answers Isn't it true? My author answers To everything My author answers To everything My author answers to everything
0: to think that I wrote that 30 years ago over 30 years ago I listened to the lyrics as I'm singing them now and like kind of interpreting what I was trying to say during that uh, time period it's interesting you know I write songs and I don't always know exactly precisely what they're about but I always go for a feel and during that time period for a 16 year old I was actually going through a lot of stuff going through transitions in my life and after my mother's passing so uh, I think that's what I've loved about uh, writing and recording music is the expression I did a whole podcast on music and all the bands that I like and everything but at the end of the day that's what it's about it's that feeling there's something to it and let's go back in that time machine we're gonna go all over the place with Different genres that I've experimented with through the years. You'll hear some crazy stuff on this podcast. I'm uh, putting myself out there doing this, but so what? You know, music, it's part of me. Why bury it? And it's, yeah, it's a big part of me. Uh, The earliest recordings I did, before I started doing my own stuff, I made a little band that I called Poetic Justice. We'll get into that in just a second. This was the early '80s, so break dancing was big. My brother and I were listening to groups like Houdini, Midnight Star, Run D.M.C., and just everything around break dancing, hip hop, that whole culture. We were all about it. You know, I was only eight or nine, just, but we started our own rap group, my brother and I. And I just got this Casio keyboard for Christmas, and I was tinkering with it and. We started our own rap group called Fight, which was appropriate because my brother, two years older than me, still is, we would fight all the time. So what are we going to do? We're going to make an album. That's what we did. And you're going to hear a sample. Oh my goodness. It was a full album though. We would make covers. and This song, uh, it's called Old People. Now, at this time it was just one track. We had a turntable. My dad's old Record player in the background that we're scratching, we'd take records and you know, pretty medieval in the way we did that back then. It was so long ago and so uh, gorilla, if you will. And uh, this is a sample, I'm not gonna play the whole song. We're we'll all day listening to this crazy stuff. A uh, real high pitched voice because we were little kids. But check out Old People by Fight. Oh! goodness that's embarrassing listening to that but uh you know there was it was a full album i think there's eight songs on that i had put it uh, on cd still cracking up over that i haven't heard some of this stuff in years but that's what i did with a lot of my music i ended up digitizing it putting it on cd which was a whole process in itself so shortly after that period like really quick after that fight period, I started my own group, like I said, called Poetic Justice. I got the title from an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, and I wanted to start my own one-man band. Why not? I wanted to be legit about it, too. So I did. I wrote my own songs that have an album, have the title, and have like eight songs per album. It was cassette. And early on, like I said, I would multi-track just with separate tape recorders. Eventually, I would get a four-track recorder, which was like state-of-the-art at the time. This was the ability to take a cassette and uh, record up to four tracks. One side would be track one and two. The other side would be track three and four. So, I mean, this was a big deal at the time to plug in a keyboard, record it, then the guitar, then your voice. And you could even bounce tracks. Meaning you could take three tracks, combine them, and then put it on one, and then keep building. However, the, uh, the quality was always really pretty poor. You'd get this big shh hiss at the beginning of each song or if there was a pause. Now, my very, very first album was called Poetic Justice, self-titled. And this is embarrassing as well. Um, but uh, here is a track from that. Here we go. Poetic Justice. Here's a song from the first album.
1: I was walking all around. I was walking to the inner town. I was walking all around. I was walking to the inner town.
0: There you have it. Apparently, I was walking all around town. My lyrics did improve through time, I assure you. That was early 80s. That was maybe 84 or so. And uh, for each album, I would make a, a cover. And it was pretty elaborate. And uh, what I would do, I was a big dreamer. I would pretend that I was uh, going on tour it was pretty elaborate. Most children take the comb in front of the mirror and sing and I'm a rock star. I went the extra mile. Indeed, I would uh, create these tours. So uh, maybe one day I would have my itinerary, I'd say well, I was in, let's say Chicago, and I'd make up a stadium name, whatever stadium, and I would perform the whole entire concert. So I had an instrumental version of the songs from this particular album. And I'd play uh, in my basement. My The carpet strands I would pretend were people. And I had a whole elaborate stage. It was cool. My basement was unique because it had like a platform that looked like a stage. So I had lights, uh, costume changes, everything. And then maybe the next day I'd go somewhere else. Maybe I'd go outside, set up my whole stage. I'd pretend the grass blades, that was the audience. Ugh. I was out of my mind, but I was being creative. And for each album, I would do this. So uh, this went on for a little bit. My mother, thank goodness, caught wind of this and said, Look, Doug, uh, what you're doing is awesome. You're shining. You have a uh, a light. But to be in that light properly, you got to put your dreams into action. So thank goodness she persuaded me, along with my father, to audition for a production of Tom Sawyer. And I did that, and I became basically a childhood actor, making a long story short, and I got discovered, thanks to Francine Leroy, who became a mentor. And I was on stage, for real. But if it wasn't for that time period of doing those little albums, I don't know if I would have landed there. So, with this poetic justice thing, I did several albums. Several albums. Several albums. And eventually, as I crawled into high school, I kept the albums going. No, I didn't go in my backyard and pretend to be the rock star guys because by this time I had uh, been doing talent shows and I was getting my fix through being the performer and plays and what have you. But I just decided to actually just call myself Doug Brown, real original, but solo artist, whatever. And I I kept those albums going. And I had made several, and I was in bands. In high school, my first big band. No, no, let's go back. Junior high, I was in my first band. 1987, we were called The Attitude. I was the guitarist. And, uh, wow, we were something else. I've got a video of us. We were, wow, just punk rock all the way. Kind of heavy metal. This is when hair bands started to creep in. So I did do that. And then later in high school, I got into a band called Volcava where I was the lead guitarist and singer. We were a unique group in that we would take songs like The Beatles, or maybe a Prince song, and we would metalize it. We'd make it heavy metal. And we played everywhere from chicken coops to uh, roller rinks, a lot of all-night skates. And since I had the ability to record and I knew how to produce a cassette album, I did that with this band. So we would sell our uh, albums at events and it was kind of cool, you know, 15, 16 years old doing that and signing autographs and because prior to that I was on the stage with talent shows and being the childhood actor. But now it morphed into getting even more legit because I was You know, in a band, and we were playing in front of people. We had fans. It was cool. We created a buzz within the school and the community. And that was fun. Uh, I was the youngest one in the group. Everybody was a year ahead of me. So after graduation, after they graduated, you know, I was left alone and really got into my uh, solo stuff. I wrote a lot of pretty good stuff, not to toot my own horn, but listening to the stuff. There's some deep stuff. I'll give you a little a sample. This was 1991. I just called the album Doug Brown. It was my... Uh, I don't know what you'd call it. Self-titled. You know, just here we go. There's a few songs from here I'll play just for fun. And then we'll take it up to speed. I'll play some piano and some guitar for you. Here's some of the that album from
1: 1990. <laughs> You never. Say song as if nothing were wrong. Kinda makes you wanna think why me wake two same song as if nothing were wrong. Kinda makes you wanna think why me. I know it's forever And I know alone.
0: And that's a small sample of that album. Rough recordings, but again it was four track. Uh At the time, we were really limited. I was a young dude in high school. Uh, Today, with laptops, even your cell phone, it's incredible. Unlimited tracks, samples, I mean, the sky's the limit. But back then, uh, I did what I could. You know, I would uh, rig microphones, and, and during that time, I had a drum set you can hear that. I did do all the instruments and the harmonies and everything in between. I was just creative. I was flowing with these juices. That album had 18 songs on it. If I was told right now to produce a song or an album with 18 songs on it, ah uh, take me a while. But then it was just overflowing uh, oh, one track I might play real quick even though the recording is rough. It's called April. it's at the very end of the album and it's interesting to hear that now because april was the month that my mother had passed so clearly it was a wink to her and the piano that i'm playing this on uh, was the piano that she played on the mini grand yamaha piano so i'll play a bit of that just to take me back to that time here we go still playing all the time. The piano and I have a good relationship. I now have a synthesizer. I have a couple keyboards. I wish I had a full-size upright or grand piano maybe someday. Speaking of someday, um yeah, one of the songs I wrote. Let's fast forward here. I wrote this song in about what was it? Maybe 2001. Sounds about right. I had kept the albums going through the years. I became a guitar teacher after I graduated high school in 1992. My first gig, I did that for 10 years. That was awesome. You know, I had no plan really of what I was going to do when I graduated. And I went to the local music store, Larry, Larry's Music Center, and uh, took a gamble. And he said, yeah, sure, you can uh, teach. So huh, I went in blind and I, I had learned a lot. It was a great experience for 10 years, but uh, during that time period, I I, uh, had a full-size piano in my studio that I would play on all the time, and I would write and you know tinker, and uh, this was one of the songs that I developed during that time. It was on one of my albums. It's hard to believe this was almost 20 years ago. I figured out this keyboard. It's been a while. I haven't played this song in many years. So, Someday. I've been
1: waiting so long to sing this song. There's something that I wanted to say. With you and my life, I feel so complete. I'm tired of always feeling alone. I'll be with you always. I take it right to me. Someday we'll be together. Someday we'll see those stars. Someday might take
0: forever. No Have the song someday, which was from one of my albums titled Flying Time. That was a song that uh, just flowed out of me. It wasn't difficult to put together. Typically, when I write a song, I don't construct the lyrics in the beginning. I always have a ton of riffs and jams and things in my head, whether it's piano or guitar. And I had had that piano piece for some time and It was just one of those moments. I felt inspired and uh, had some stuff on my mind and it just came out. Uh, I never force songwriting. I don't enter a room and say, today, I'm going to write a song. No, it's gotta hit me where, you know, maybe I'm out and about and I'm like, oh, I feel it, I hear a melody and then I always have a pen and paper, always with me Um, and I will write down the lyrics real sloppily and blah. and I'll go home and I'll really put it together. Uh, Maybe something will happen during the day that triggers like I said a memory or whether I'm happy, sad, mad, whatever. I can put it into that guitar or the piano. More often than not I have a guitar near me at uh, arm's reach. I play every single day. I don't need force to play an instrument, especially the guitar. Whether it's the acoustic, maybe the classical guitar, the electric, I might play some blues, or rock out to some heavy metal type stuff, drop D tuning. And uh, that's how I, I, I put together a song. I'm always coming up with riffs and jams. So, uh, moving along here, through my music life and songwriting, I've always had so many different genres. And that comes from my influences. I mean, The Beatles, from Guns N' Roses. I mean, I have hundreds of CDs. I'm looking at them as we speak. And everything from Willie Nelson to Neil Diamond to Prince to, yeah, you name it, John Denver. Uh, and that has flown into my system and outcomes whatever. And sometimes that makes it a little tricky. I'm not trying to market myself nowadays. I'm just playing and writing for fun. So it makes it tricky when I do sit down to make an album and put my songs together, because my styles all they're all over the place. It's kind of like a marketing person's worst nightmare. But I'm not trying to be contrived or be put into a category like, oh, this is an acoustic album. No, it can be anything. But I've had phases through my life of certain albums that, oh, well, this one was kind of a dance one. and But I'll always have a mix. That's just kind of my style. And moving ahead here, I'm going to play a song that has a kick to it to give you an example of the variety. In the early 90s, I, I started to get into techno around the time where I uh, graduated high school because I had all these keyboards. And I was learning to quantize and do all this really cool stuff. And it was external on the synthesizer. It was before I was jumping on laptops or stuff like that. And a song that comes to me that I think I'll share with you, which is called Vision of Reality. I wrote this song, I believe, in 1993. It was on one of my older cassette albums titled Looking Glass, if that sounds familiar to some of you. I often, I have a book called Looking Glass Self. I often take titles from my songs and albums from back in the day and put them into my life now. So I have plenty of, I've got a bag of ideas that I can use now into my skate career for writing and speaking as well. Now this song, Vision of Reality, eventually made its way to a CD that came out in early, what, 2002? Titled Flying Time, and I'm going to play that full version for you now. So have a listen. song i haven't heard that in many years Whew! that must have taken me a while to to put all that together i tell you what very time consuming i did do it all myself produced it bass guitar whatever you hear i have a guitar in my hand and uh i was listening to that and playing along a little bit here in the background and thinking how differently i would record that and write that now let me give you an example of what I'd probably do acoustically on that. If
1: there's something that you need It's probably something you can see Whatever
0: Funny to hear the difference in tone and vibe, how you can change and manipulate a tune. I should talk about uh, when I finally got to produce CDs. It was a really big deal in the late 90s. Now making a CD, people don't really do that. It's like straight to digital, boom, boom, on your uh, cell phone and there it is for the world for Spotify and everything in between. But back then it was different. The first time I got a, a CD produced was called Emblem. This was the year 1998. I met a guy that uh, could take all my songs I had on cassette and uh, put them onto CD. And it was $5 a pop. So if you can imagine, you get 100 CDs. I mean, it adds up for a little independent artist. But I did that. I made this album called Emblem. And. Uh, it was cool. I got to, uh, Some of the songs were played in dance clubs and it actually ended up getting some distribution which was crazy. I had a hookup with Camelot Music and the chain On Cue Music at the time so that was cool uh, just to, to have my music out there and to kinda get a small following. It was an interesting phase of my life because I was definitely flirting with the idea of doing music as a living. I was already teaching guitar, which to me was the dream job. My hands are on the guitar. I'm getting paid, paying my bills. This is awesome. I figured I would do that forever. So I put out a bunch of CDs through the years. But in the timeline that is my life, the skateboarding thing fell into my lap. I was always skating during this whole entire time. I was competing. I was doing all kinds of stuff. For those of you who know my story, great. For those who don't, I mean, I did a whole entire podcast. Titled Solo, episode 1, that talks about my skate career. But I had this music life, and I was really, really swimming in it. It was I was writing, recording all the time for many years. Before the year uh, 2002, where I turned pro, it became my living and my career, and bleh, here we are, pretty much 20 years later. And it's fun to dip into these uh, old CDs, to the archive, and especially going way back to those old cassettes. And I've enjoyed sharing these uh, songs with you. I have hundreds of songs. It would take me hours and hours to play all of them for you. But uh, let's see, I'm going to go for another album. I'm going to play a tune for you, just a short version. This is a song called Changes that I wrote in the year 2000 from one of my albums titled Nucleus which is a title I used in one of my skateboard DVD releases years back. I'll do this little unplugged version for you See? Fun little song to revisit. And the original on the CD is much longer, but you get a, a taste of it. Now let's switch gears again. We got to keep the funk going. I got a lot of funk in me. This is a song from that same album. It's a little funky and different. And uh, I was limited on how many tracks I had. It was recorded on a digital recorder called an MD8. It was really kind of pricey at the time, but. I came up with a fun little tune called Bubble Boy. (laughs) I'll play the actual song from the CD. Check it out, Bubble Boy. I don't listen to my own music, so it's been a long time since I've heard that one. Kind of a raw little tune, not a lot to it on production or anything, but I don't think I was implying that I was the bubble boy. It's a song about uh, being different and uh, sticking out and believing in yourself and kind of works with my message when I speak, uh, when I do my motivational speaking. Oh, these songs, there's so many songs and I did a lot in my music years, as far as recording and had a really neat experience at Ashland uh, University for uh, one of my songs called Looking for Something from one of my albums titled Looking Glass Self, which became one of my book titles, my self-help book. But as a uh, course, This class was doing like video production, and they used that song and made me a video, which was really kind of a unique experience. I was invited to this campus at the end of the course, and they had a whole set and a crew, and that was cool. And those were really good years. I learned a lot from that, and uh, I got to play out a lot in different venues and meet cool people and just do a lot. It was fun. Now there's just so much material. I wish we had more time. I'll most likely have to do a part two to this. Someday. Sometime. And oh yeah, there are a bunch of skateboarders a few years back to my surprise did this tribute uh, thing to me. It's on YouTube. You can look it up. Just look up Doug Brown, Love, Love. And it was really cool of them to do this. It's one of my tunes from years ago that they got a hold of and (laughs) they put it in their skate video and they posted it. It's cool. It's fun. I appreciate it guys. Thank you. Again, there's so many songs and uh, I'll leave you a couple tunes that uh, lyrically kind of meant something to me. Here's a song from one of my albums, Flying Time, titled Believe.
1: My secrets in everything within Is this my magic?
0: if I were to record that song today I would do it acoustically. I would strip down everything just with uh, maybe some drums and simplicity. But at that time, that's what I was doing. Ah, yes. And I did mention how I found the piano because it was in our home and I got keyboards and all that. But I did take a couple piano lessons from the teacher that my mother went to named Mrs. Winter. An elderly lady. Now I had zero interest really in taking piano lessons. I didn't like being handed that little booklet that had fee-fi-fo-fum and the little music notes and that to me was completely separate than being creative and looking at the piano as a toy. And during those two or three lessons, the very last one I will never forget, this woman came to our home and uh, they couldn't find me. While I was in the backyard, I had climbed up a really high tree. I would never do that now and they're in the backyard yelling Doug Doug and I'm hiding at the very top so that ended that Uh, yeah but I kept playing piano on my own and around sixth grade or so I got the interest to play guitar I really wanted to play guitar so I uh, got the nerve to ask my dad if I could purchase a guitar and have some guitar lessons and to my surprise he said yes So we went to the local music store, Larry's Music Center, which is where I ended up teaching guitar years later. And I'd met Brad, Brad Shreve, who became my mentor and my guitar instructor. He was just an employee at the time, super cool guy. He would close the shop up after hours. I would come down and very loosely he would just show me stuff on the guitar. He taught me how to read tablature and he taught me how to multi-track and this guy was my Obi-Wan. I mean, I'm forever grateful for him. Because that's where that all started. So, come junior high, I wasn't banned. I did play the trombone. Took a couple lessons, but yeah No. And funny story. uh my goodness. I just didn't play uh, one time. This is how I was, I was asked to leave the junior high band. Uh... We would do crazy things, Uh, my trombone buddies and I. One time we put balloons in the tubas at the beginning of class. And of course the tubas would start tooting and the balloons would float over the band. And he had figured out that the trombone players were the culprit, I was probably the leader in that. And over time he just politely asked me to, to leave band which I did, which all worked out. Cause in high school I ended up doing choir and I was in the rock bands. Good old Mr. Bartelheim from junior high, great guy. I feel really bad now, uh, cause he's a cool guy and I've run into him in the community. And one time, I went to my junior high, Edgewood Middle School, and I walked in there specifically to talk to him, and it was great. Cause I apologized and he was super cool. He kind of got it, what I was going through and. It was neat to go back to that uh, junior high and see the students and everything, and to have my apology to Mr. Bartleheim for giving him a rough time, but it all worked out, didn't it? This has been fun. There's so much material, too much, not enough, I don't know. I'll continue to write, and perhaps in the future, share it with my audience, who knows? But for now, it exists as it is, And in closing today, thank you for listening, by the way. I will leave you with a song that I did previously, uh, someday. I played on the acoustic guitar and sang it for you. But this is the album version, so give it a listen. Life is good. Been staying busy. You can check out my comings and goings at www.dougbrown.org. I've been staying busy. And uh, thanks again for listening. And here is the song, Someday. Take care, everybody. Until next time.
1: I've been waiting so long to sing the song There's something that I wanted to say